0: Wow, we are a part of eternity. That's what we were just singing forever, oh God. And gospel ensemble. <laughs> gospel ensemble. <laughs> thank you so much. I cannot wait for this week. I can't wait for next Sunday night. I want some more of that. <laughs> and thank you for giving me permission. I mean, one of the things I have struggled with for almost 30 years of ministry is how to, how to be bit dignified. You know, every time I come to church, it's like my stall's hanging over on this side or some part's hanging over here. My hair's messed up. There's always something undignified going on. Well, thank you. I can be undignified. <laughs> Woo! Undignified praise. In fact, it has been too long, and you all have inspired me today. So on the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three. Undignified. <laughs> I have not twirled for so long. <laughs> I almost fell down. That would have been very undignified. <laughs> All right, well, if you love God today, say amen. amen. If you're feeling fabulous today, say I'm feeling good. You all are on it. And in fact, our resolve for this new year, our resolution as a congregation, was to go into 2008 being fabulous. We talked about carrying gifts of love and light. We talked about taking a bath every day. That was on Baptism Sunday. (laughs) We talked about going into the world with a sense of praise and positivity. It's the way to begin the year. And we saw Jesus in some of his most fabulous moments. Last Sunday, we looked at Jesus at the Transfiguration when the light was shining on him so bright. And I'm sure at that moment, he had a, a rather undignified moment as the warmth of the Spirit came over him. It was one of those moments that they wanted to just linger in and savor and experience. Fabulous moments. On the second Sunday of January We looked at one of Jesus' most fabulous moments In fact, in my opinion It was his most fabulous moment Because it was the moment of his baptism And when Jesus was baptized Scripture says The heavens opened And a dove descended And a voice from heaven said You are my son, the beloved And with you I am well pleased Well, you know what Jesus was feeling at that moment? Come on, you know it Fabulous! I mean, God had just told him who he was. He was somebody loved, beloved, called, blessed, alive. It's the same moment that we experience at our baptism. Every time we're baptized, heaven opens and rejoices and celebrates for a new person has come into God's eternal family, that everlasting family. That we were singing about right after the gospel reading. By the way, I loved it when you all clapped for the gospel. I'd never heard that before. But why not? It's amazing the scripture, the hope that comes through. Fabulous moments. But we also learn something in these fabulous moments. One thing that comes clear is that sometimes the most difficult. Moment comes after we've had the most fabulous moment. And that's exactly what happens with Jesus. Today's scripture is actually immediately after his baptism. So heaven's just opened. It looks like everything is going to be fabulous and wonderful. But what happens? Jesus is sent to the desert for 40 days. He goes from being fabulous to being hungry, to being tired, to being lonely. Now, I think there's something in there for us, because think back on your own experience. How many times has one of your most fabulous moments been followed by one of your most difficult moments? In fact, it seems to me that it's at our points of greatest success that we are most vulnerable to failure. Because there's this sense in which we can become a little bit overconfident. We can can lose our edge a little bit. We get so caught up in the moment, we can't imagine the challenge we might face. So, for example, it's the day after your holy union. You've just had this wonderful celebration. You've had your dates. You've toasted. You've kissed. Everything's great. You're loving it. And then she uh, takes her contacts out and puts her glasses on. (laughs) life gets real, life gets busy. It's not all celebration. It's not all fabulous. You work so hard. You finally achieve your goal. You finally get that job. You put so much energy into it. And then it's time to really do the job. And you put all your energy into getting it. And you're struggling to make it work right after our celebration, right after success, is the moment when life oftentimes gets real. It's the moment when we're most vulnerable. And what I love about this amazing scripture today is that it shows Jesus going from fabulous to vulnerable back to fabulous. What Jesus experiences in the desert at his point of vulnerability is very, very similar to what we experience. Life seems to know where to get us, where to pinch us, where to push us. And that's what happens with Jesus. When he gets out into the desert, he's so hungry, the tempter knows right where to go after Jesus at. The tempter goes after Jesus at his point of need and hunger. And the temptation Jesus faces is the temptation that many of us face. It's the temptation for immediate gratification, even if what is immediately there is not best for us. I mean, Jesus was hungry. We get hungry too. Jesus was needy. We get needy too. And so our appetite kicks in. Our appetite becomes stronger than our heart. Our appetite becomes stronger than our brain. And all it takes is, "Uh uh-huh, I see what you want, baby. (laughs) I know what you need, and what you need is what I've got. (laughs) In fact, I have got an extra value meal for you. Yeah, it's cheap, but it's also good. And I promise you, it'll satisfy. In fact, after you get a taste of this, you're going to want to supersize it. So come on, baby. I've got what you want. Jesus struggled with his hunger, he wanted to eat, he wanted to be satisfied. He had at least some sense of what was ahead of him. He knew where he'd been. He knew where he was going. And it was a moment of supreme testing. Will I take what's right in front of me, even though it's not the best? Or will I hold out for real food? Will I hold out for real love? Will I hold out for real satisfaction? Then the tempter came with another test. The tempter challenged Jesus to, in a sense, rationalize his choices. The, the, the tempter challenged Jesus to, in a sense, trivialize God. He, he went after Jesus at the point of ego. He said, if you really are who you say you are, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are that close with God, then get up on top of the roof of the church and jump. And know the angels will protect you and comfort you. Don't you need some comfort right now? Don't you need some angels in your life? Go ahead and call on them right now. In other words, what the tempter was saying is you can make a bad choice once in a while and God will cover you. In other words, go ahead and eat that expired food and don't worry about getting sick. Go ahead, don't study for that exam. It's multiple choice after all. Just pray and God will help you hit the right blanks. There's a message that comes through here. Again, that the the tempter is is going after Jesus in a vulnerable place. But the message that ultimately comes through is that our faith does not make bad choices acceptable. If we jump, we're probably going to break a leg. And no matter how much we pray, the leg is still going to be broken. Yet the tempter said, Jump. Make that choice. Go ahead. Then came the third temptation. Also, here, the tempter's messing with Jesus' ego. Again, Jesus is at a low moment. He could use a little ego boosting. And so the tempter takes Jesus on top of a mountain and says, Look out there. Do you see all that? Isn't that something? It can be yours. It'll all be yours. In other words, what the tempter was saying, stand on top of your highest moment. Go to the most fabulous moment in your life. And then imagine that moment and then multiply it five times, ten times, fifteen times. Go for the moment. See it all. Okay, the tempter's gone after Jesus at the point Of immediate gratification. He's tapped into Jesus' self-destructive behavior tendencies and ours. And now what the tempter is tempting Jesus with is status. When we're feeling low, what do we sometimes do to boost ourselves? We try to remind ourselves how important we are. This is a designer temptation. Temptation. The tempter takes Jesus to the top of the mountain and says, That is a Calvin Klein Prada Dominion, and it's all yours. Make yourself feel better by what you own, by what you see. And that's where we oftentimes are tempted. I was in a social setting not too long ago, and I noticed that during this conversation, this person seemed distracted. I couldn't figure out by what. It's like they kept looking down and looking around, but they were looking somewhere on me. I thought, What's up with that? And then it occurred to me They were looking down to see what kind of watch I was wearing Then they were looking down to see what kind of shoes I was wearing They were looking over to see if I was having a monogram on my shirt or not And the sad thing is That did not disgust me Instead in a moment where I didn't even have time to think I was drawn into that game And I found myself thinking I sure hope I wore my Movado watch today. Ah, it's my Movado, good. But my shoes, oh no, those are the two-for-one shoes I got at the discount store. Where's Kenneth Cole when you need him? (laughs) And if the devil really wears Prada, I could use the devil right now. (laughs) (laughs) Status. We are tempted to believe that that's what's important. We've got to drive the car. We've got to wear the shoes, the watch, the clothes. We've got to smell right. We've got to look right. We've got to be impressive. And we rationalize it. I could rationalize it. As a pastor of resurrection, I'm called to be a leader in the community. Leaders are supposed to be influential. To be influential, you have to look influential. Can't I rationalize that? Go ahead and buy those Prada shoes. Just go ahead and run that credit card up. Another one coming in the mail real soon. Go ahead, buy that car. Know that you'll need to take a second job. And with that second job, you're going to have less time for your relationship, less time for love. You're going to be driving that car. You're going to feel alone. And you're going to wonder, is it really worth it? (sighs) These temptations, they play to our real lives. And yet Jesus showed us something amazing. Amazing. He went from vulnerability to a place of strength. He said to Satan, I know what real bread is. And that's the bread I'm going to eat. So take your bread and go home. Take your supersized value meal and eat it yourself. And Jesus said to the tempter, I'm not going to play your silly games I'm not going to make a bad choice thinking my faith will make it all right. And I don't have to stand on some mountain thinking that's where hope is. That hope is somehow in a monogram. Or that hope is somehow attached to status. In fact, I love what Jesus says to Satan After he offers those arguments, he summarizes what he says with four very powerful words, and really it's all we need to remember today. If you look in your worship folder on page two, Jesus simply says, Away with you, Satan! Get behind me. You have no power over me because I know what real satisfaction is. I know what real life is. And I know the result of powerful choices is a powerful life. And that's the kind of life I'm going to live. Yes, I've been in the desert. Yes, I've been hungry. Yes, I've been needy. Yes, I am vulnerable. But you still have no power over me. So away with you, Satan. Get behind me now. Go back where you belong (sighs) I think if the song we sang today had been written it's the song that Jesus would have sung at that moment draw me close to you never let me go I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend Oh, God, You are my desire. You answer my hungers. You answer my needs. No one else will do. No matter how good they look, smell. Oh, God, help me find the way. Bring me back to You. Take me from my wilderness into the very warmth of Your heart. Because nothing else could take your place, God, to feel the warmth of your embrace. Oh, nothing else matters. You're all I want. You're all I ever needed. Oh, God, you're all I want. Help me to know you are near. So how did Jesus do it? He knew who God was. He knew where God was. He knew that his mind was stronger than his temptation. He knew that he was not driven by his appetites even when he felt them. And he knew that his heart had no price tag. His heart could not be sold. His strength could not be measured. So Jesus went from fabulous... vulnerable to fabulous by knowing what real fabulous is and during this Lenten season my prayer for all of us is that at our point of appetite or feeling of vulnerability we would go deeper to the Holy Spirit to prayer to scripture to community and know that that is where our life is really lived If you're comfortable, take the hand of someone nearby as we go to our God in prayer. God of life and love and hope, God who is greater than our temptations, God who meets us at places of vulnerability, (laughs) show us real life, show us real hope, lead us deeper and deeper into your ways, give us the strength to be pre-prepared for the temptation when it comes to tell it where to go, and therein to find our strength. God, I know that you have a vision for this congregation of people who are living a powerful and mature faith. So help every choice we make from this moment on to be a choice for you. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this, your church. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world and hear the prayers of your people who pray. Amen.
1: Couch, Our director of worship has um, given us some tools to actually apply some of what Duane has uh, preached on today. It's on page 11 of your worship folder. He, he's writing to us about the season of Lent and he gives us some things. We usually think of Lent as, as giving up something. Stephen is challenging us to take something on, and he's listed four spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines that will help you during the season of Lent. So I'm going to join Stephen and challenge you to to take one of these. The first one he lists is take up fasting. This is uh, what Jesus was doing in that wilderness during that 40 days. And the the spiritual practice of fasting is where you might take one day a week or um, a meal a week or something like that and, and use that time that every time you feel the sense of hunger... You call upon God, and you draw God closer to you during that time. These are ways to make ministry happen during this time, because you can lift up your church and your community. Take up volunteering. This is where you would apply the spiritual practice of the act of worship, where you use your spiritual gifts, take on a ministry, and apply those gifts and and watch things happen. Um, It's a great time to test that. Um, Take up tithing. This is where for the season of Lent he's saying, how about giving 10% of your income for these weeks and see what God can do through you and through your generosity. And then the last one he mentions is take up participation. This one here is the the, uh, spiritual discipline of meditation upon God's Word. It's the discipline of uh, study. And so we have a Grow Up piece that Duane writes each week, and so there's a tool in your worship folder to do that. So these are just four spiritual practices that maybe during this season you could take one of these and apply it to your life and see what kind of ministry happens in you, through you, and around you. Let us prepare for our offering. Gracious God, we do thank you that you have created within us all that we need to do the ministry of this church You've given us the tools. You've given us the heart and the passion and the experience. So God, receive our gifts now. Help us to release them to you. And in that surrender, God, we ask that you would use them as you see fit here in your community of faith, here in the broader community, and here in the world. We thank you and we offer it to you now. And all God's people said, Amen.